You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 65 of Double Jump Radio. I'm your host, Sabia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. Like usual. That's good. Um, been playing some more recent games, which is a nice change. <laughs> Actually, yeah, which I'll talk about later. But um, yeah, otherwise, all right. How about you? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, good. We've um, we've settled on a on a place that we uh, oh, cool. on, a, on a on a new place. So just kind of in the early stages of planning everything, then you know, making sure it's all going to be up to snuff, having the right amount of you know data points and all that stuff. Right? You want to make sure that you know the house you go into actually can handle internet, <laughs> which I think, <laughs> which is sad that we have to question in Australia, but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, can this house do internet? Can this house do internet? Yes, yes. But no, it's good. It's it's very good. And I'm super happy to hear that you've been playing some more recent games because I think one of them is an Australian game, which will... Uh... Yeah, which I think I heard about before it came out. And every time... I've heard about it like three times and I'm mm. surprised each time. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've been playing Cult of the Lamb, yeah. which I think is getting a lot of attention the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I tried out Rumbleverse for a little bit. I'll mm. play it a little more later, I think, but I need to get my ethernet connection sorted because i haven't yet yeah and um i also played oh i'm a i'm gonna play roller drone because i gotcha. already bought it but i haven't downloaded it <laughs> so i'll try that later fair enough but, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's but, good. Uh, we'll hear about it a little bit later then mm. <laughs> well john why don't we uh kick things off by talking about the news Um, the first, first, I guess, block of stories comes from THQ Nordic. Tell us what's been happening in the the land of the. Are they Vikings? Nordic is that right? I think Vikings I think so. are from that area. Maybe, yeah. Unless it's horribly racist, what I've said. <laughs> uh, old white money, I guess. I don't know. The whitest of the white. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, yes. So not the last of THQ will be here today. Um, so first up was their Nordic Showcase, which I think was five days ago mm. um, at time of recording. So number of new games announced, number of old games already announced, so they're just showing off again, just kind of reestablishing themselves, I suppose. Mm. Just like you know, any other major publisher as THQ has grown into prominence yet again. Yeah. Um, but most prominent, of all these new announcements is Alone in the Dark. New, um, sorry, a new reboot of, yeah, reboot of the like classic franchise, another survival horror, third person survival horror, like single player game, um, in the style of the all the others. As I, do you know much about this franchise, Beer? Yeah, um, well, I think the first game came out in like 1992 or something and it was like on PC. So I think it was like it just predated the Silent Hill, Resident Evil kind of 3D horror genre. Uh, I think yeah. its main claim to fame that I think it was one of the first games to have like 3D with full textures. Okay. Which is a, have you ever played yeah. any of them? No, no, I haven't. I mean, I've um, I know that it's been like kind of rebooted before, like more than once, as far as yeah. I understand. Yeah. What about you? 
No, I, my the only experience I have with it is seeing the cover on pre-owned shelves in <laughs> EB games and such, because I feel like I really know that cover now. Um, otherwise, I don't know anything about it. But I'm very intrigued by this new game. It's been mm. in development for four years, apparently. Um, it's being directed by Mikhail Hedberg. He was the writer for Amnesia and Soma, which is quite a pedigree, as I understand. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, there are monster designs by Guy Davis. He worked in Evolve and Pacific Rim, which is kind of an odd background by comparison. Um, it's being described as a love letter to the original series, so it's kind of set in Louisiana. It's kind of going for Southern Gothic, which I think has not been a particular... I'm not actually sure. if it, like, it sounds like it's kind of going back to the roots of the series from the way it's being described. Mm. So kind mm. of eldritch horror again. Yeah, that was the... I think that's... Like compared to like zombies and stuff, I think yeah, the original Alone in the Dark was very, very literary. Like you know, very. I think it was set in like the mid, sorry, early twentieth century. Um, yeah, a yeah. very like the exact time period Lovecraft was, um, you know, the what he wrote about basically, yeah. Yeah. like you know, and where he was from. So yeah. kind of the premise is it's following private investigator Edward Carnby as he dives into the Darketo. Manor, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. Go with it. <laughs> um, the manor is a home for the mentally fatigued. So um, you'll play, players will be playing as Edward and is also be playing as Emily Hartwood, who's the niece of the manor's missing owner. Um, each character will experience the events game from a unique perspective, which kind of reminds me of the zapping system from Resident Evil 2. Two or maybe just uh, like... No, no even from the original, original 2. Yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing it'll be close to the remake, where it's just going to be two individual paths with yeah. their own unique aspects to them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so from the announcement, it's Alone in the Dark will tell a new original story that will reimagine aspects, elements of the 90s, um, original 90s game, um, including the characters and places and themes. Um, so it's all it's still you know very much a classic survival horror experience where there's puzzles and combat and survival within this kind of gothic manor yeah. location so yeah it'll be a bit of a throwback compared to aside from resident evil no one else really seems to do it so there's definitely still a <laughs> yeah. place in the market for it i think nowadays yeah the interesting thing is that i'm pretty sure that resident evil 7 was set in like louisiana wasn't it <laughs> oh yeah right yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it compares i guess mm. i'm actually always like up for period pieces in games because mm. they can be rendered in with such fidelity nowadays and i think you don't see too many games really take advantage of that compared to yeah I don't know, maybe that's based on like my very vague memories of nothing but i do wish I, like like i always harsh. think about <laughs> but i always think about like um like la noir like i love that game and a yeah. big part of it its setting and it's the way it tells a story and within that you know noir, noir detective mm -hmm. genre yeah it's just like, man, I could really kill for more games like this because they have, <laughs> yeah. like, not just detective games, but just games that really embrace the time period. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you don't see too many nowadays, I think. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> um, after Alone in the Dark, there was the announcement of Tempest Rising. So, it very much doesn't really try to hide that it's a Command and Conquer successor. In everything but name. I mean, so, they literally. I mean, in the video, they literally say "conquering premiere." 
Yeah. And it's like current, like kind of thumbnail cover art is like just command and conquer again. <laughs> like mm. it's like almost exactly the same. Um, so and published by 3D RTS. Realms, which is funny. Oh like yeah, two classic <laughs> names. Yeah, very. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so real time strategy game, all about base building, um, alternative history sort of scenario. Mm. So the base building part is kind of important to highlight. That is not a very common thing in modern RTS games anymore. So it's no. very much a place, like a place for that kind of. Uh, that sort of game in the genre, just because RTS games yeah. are, you know, not all that common in the first place. No, but base no, builders, aside from Age of Empires, I think, yeah, that might be one of the only modern base builder RTS yeah. in a, like a while, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, you're right. Because um, I mean, the RTS genre has really slowed down. Like I haven't really, mm-hmm. I haven't really seen anything come out in the last few years i'm sure there's i feel like maybe i say that but i'm sure there's been like three thousand like warhammer kind of like uh maybe rts's that have come out that have just gone under the radar <laughs> but are like super maybe. popular who knows like, <laughs> i think like dawn of war yeah the warhammer one actually well that's that, yeah. that one kind of ended up becoming more kind of hero focused yeah that became so did, like a company um, of hero style i think that yeah, one that, was that yeah that one too that one also units, became yeah. less about base building yeah yeah as i understand it um so it's yeah so tempest rising will be developed by is being developed by slipgate ironworks from denmark mm. and for pc right now has yeah. been announced for anything else after that was space for sale was announced um Follows an astronaut on a mission to explore strange new worlds, seek out new life, and build real estate on an alien world. Yeah. Which um, sounds good to me. That's hilarious. Um, That's just a hilarious. I mean, yeah, it's a hilarious uh, premise, but I don't know. Is it a commentary on colonialism? I don't know. Hopefully, I guess. I don't know. It's probably <laughs> going to come off weird otherwise. Um, yeah, so Exploration Sandbox, where player takes the role of a galactic property developer um, being developed by Mirage Game Studios, um, known for Little Big Workshop, um, also mm. just for PC right now. Um, the, a new racing game called Recreation was announced. This is from Three Fields Entertainment. Um, they're the ones who made Dangerous Driving and Dangerous Golf, yep. former yep. developers from Criterion. From Criterion. Yeah. yeah, but I think their current string of games has been somewhat passed by as they come out like i feel like they haven't made too much of an impact yeah because like they, they basically the the criterion games if if that sounds familiar is because criterion games was the the original like sorry was this the the second kind of de- the developer from i think burnout paradise onwards because before that i think it was black bear i think it was um so Criterion Games... I thought they made all the Burnout games. No, I Hang thought on. the early one, wasn't it? Black Bear? Or am I confusing with Black Box? No, Black Box. Yeah, because they made other Need for Speed games, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I was... I, I'm, and I'm confusing with Bugbear. Because Bugbear makes, I think, Wreckfest. I think there's, like, a few different, like, kind of classic... Yeah. Black Box. Yeah, so according to Wikipedia, they made all the Burnout games. Okay. Then they shifted into Need for Speed. After, with Hot Pursuit onwards. And then they were sort of gotcha. weirdly split up into ghost games. Oh, and now they're, 
I think Criterion Games is another th- like reformed again. I'm not sure what's going on. I think they kind of work on like DLC for like Battlefield and Battlefront or something now. Yeah, because I think like after Ghost Games was created, I think there was sort of an incubation yeah. mode for a yeah. bit. Nothing really came of it as they were working mm, on some extreme sports game. Yeah, then, that was like that um, yeah. one teaser from like 2015 or something and then nothing since. <laughs> yeah, it's a real shame. Like, yeah. I mean, I know Ubisoft's made like six games of the same premise, but I will still like to see Criterion do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Recreation, I think it's... It, look, it reminds me. Have you seen the trailers of you? Uh, I'm, I've got them on screen now here, so they're they're very um. I'm like kind of like playing them, watching them as you're as you're talking, and oh, okay. there is definitely um a very classic, and it's like it, it definitely capitalizes on the um the crash mode, I think, of the classic right. burnout games. Well, the recreation. It also reminded me of the um. The Hot Wheels expansions of Forza. Yeah. It's just a lot of roads in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Things that don't make sense. Yeah. So hopefully this is kind of a hit, I think. Dangerous Driving 1 or 2. I think like 2 is most notably like best known for not having a soundtrack. (laughs) Mm. Or maybe that was the first one, actually. And so it's like, it'd be nice to to land a hit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Following that announcement, there was a new trailer for the remake of Gothic. Um, currently in development by Al- Alchemia Interactive for PC, PS5, and Xbox Series consoles. Mm. New trailer for Jagged Alliance 3 from Hamemont Games. New trailer for Outcast 2, A New Beginning, uh, made by Appeal Studios. So that has no release date. Um, coming to PC, PS5, and Xbox. There was a new gameplay trailer for SpongeBob The Cosmic Shake, which I think is the first time we've seen like proper gameplay i think otherwise it's been just teasers so far just without much of a sense of what game yeah. is aside from knowing that it's going to be like battlefield bikini bottom because yeah. it's the same developer of the of, uh, of the re-release yes yeah. yeah yeah um yeah so you look at the 3d platformer i was kind of shocked at how the animation quality mm. like it's very visually stunning for the kind of game it really it really it really is yeah, um, having known, played Battle for Bikini Bottom somewhat recently, mm. I'm pretty excited for it. Even though THQ is still, I don't know, bit of a tangent, but it makes me <laughs> like, um, just like wrestling, gaming is doing the same thing to me, where I'm getting increasingly okay with giving money to companies I don't like. <laughs> I don't like that mm. feeling. Um, and Cosmic Shake is like, it doesn't, uh, it's not a game I feel like I need to play or must have or anything. I don't think any game's going to have that impact on me ever again, honestly, just because I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. But um, I don't like that. Um, it's starting to, you know, the, the scales are starting to shift <laughs> closer to, you know, equals or something. I don't know. Yeah. Don't like it, it, anyway, I guess my point is Cosmic Shake looks really nice. Yeah, no, it, it, it does look very nice. And the thing about it is that it's like, uh, I don't know how to put it. There's a, there's a level of polish to it. There's there's a level of care to it that really stands out. And it's like something that, like, I don't know, this is a, I think this is a pretty good compliment. It looks like a, like an, it looks like a Nintendo level of kind of attention to detail when it comes to like uh, 
animation and things and i think that's really it's really good to see <laughs> yeah it's cool to see like other developers get sort of close to that i guess because there good. aren't too many developers <laughs> making stuff in the in the, with the same market mm. as nintendo necessarily like the same sort of demographic so when someone is going for it and i guess it's not totally uncommon with like the spire remake and the crash games and all yeah. that but it's happening but it's always cool to like, see i'm just happy that spongebob is still relevant i, I didn't realize I, I guess it's like it never really went away i feel like hmm yeah, it's like Simpsons where it's just kind of evergreen. Yeah. At least for a certain segment of people. Like generation <laughs> that yeah. grew up with it. Yeah. Um, there was a new trailer. Yeah, I've started following SpongeBob. A new trailer for All Elite Wrestling's Fight Forever game. So the first video game for the sort of number two US <laughs> rest, like pro wrestling company. Um, oh, it's being developed by the former game developer of the wwe games called ukes they're a very ancient developer that'll be making wrestling games for a very long time it's, it's just so weird it's just thq ukes wrestling it's like this is like 2005 <laughs> what, what's going on <laughs> yeah well that's a lot of like yeah like a lot of time traveling with this presentation showcase i think right thq <laughs> publishing a, a spongebob like, game that's also a classic thing man and conquer is back yeah <laughs> Um, and and it's yeah, like so. the 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 thing is like Ukes as a studio, like I feel like everyone was like, oh, when Two K gets the WWE license, we might find we might actually get an improvement in the quality of the games because Ukes won't be making it anymore. Um, and then and then that didn't really happen. <laughs> well, to be fair, the latest one it actually has like a decent. Uh, reputation compared to the last bunch i'm not sure why like that they may okay. be a change developer but i think it's just like they had extra time and they kind of used it to improve things they didn't have ever have time to improve before yeah i'm not really sure that I was think, my impression i think uh, i think it's also the the classic thing of like it takes a couple of years after a new console comes out for the developers to kind of get a like i feel like what happens is whenever there's a new console um the first sports like first couple of sports games of that generation they remove features that were there in, in like the the ga- the year before so like they cuz they're like kind of like starting again and then they're re-adding features that were there before but in the new generation so maybe this is the same thing where it's like it took them a couple of years to actually catch up in terms of development and get familiar with the PS5 and Xbox series well in this case it was more like a big change in the most recent WWE game, as I understand it, because I haven't played any of them. Mm. I just remember following discussion of it is that they really improved game feel and really simplified controls in a really positive way. Cause these games are sort of like weird si- simulations of fake fighting. <laughs> so it's a weird, <laughs> with a weird approach. Um, yeah. I so the, yeah, get to get back on topic. Fight Forever is very much in the style of the um, games from, I guess, 2005 or earlier. Kind of like simplified, but with more of a easy to pick up, like hard to master. Mm. That's That's been a lot of the uh, discussion, like as I've been talking about the game at times. So the trailer itself is like kind of 
I don't know. It depends on whether you're an AEW fan already, I think. Um, but yeah, so but otherwise, no new information with Fight Forever, I think. That didn't come out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't get the... Like, is is the gimmick of this fighting lady that she eats pizzas a lot? Is that her gimmick? Or is it just the gimmick of, like, oh, I'm a gamer. I eat pizzas and don't socialize. No, she's, like, a obnoxious dentist turned wrestler. Also, she's a still a dentist. Got like, you. Britt Baker is who her beer's talking about. Oh, so, yeah, because um, I, like, I was, like, watching, I was, like, um... They call her doctor something, and then they put all these other things behind them. Like, I don't know if that's a gimmick or that she's like, there's pictures no, everywhere. Like, it is a gimmick, but she's literally a dentist. It became a, a yeah. Are you and she kind of added up once she turned heel. She really tapped into like a good version of this, like, you know, extremely condescending, <laughs> obnoxious villain. You know, that she's yeah, she's very successful new star of AEW for someone who hasn't been in WWE or anything. Yep. Um, Yeah, so anyway, um, after AEW, there Mm. was a new trailer for Knights of Honor 2 Sovereign um, developed by Black Sea Games. It will be coming to PC sometime soon. I don't think it has a release date as of today. A new trailer for Destroy All All (laughs) Humans 2 Reprobed. So a remake of the second game after yep. the remake of the first game or a year or two ago. Um, that will be launching later this month, which I did not know. I was surprised to read that. <laughs> um, have you like? Do you have much affection for that franchise? I feel like it has like a somewhat something of a footprint in Australia for some reason, but I don't know why. Uh, yeah, that's that's weird. Like I I didn't play it. I I skipped the entire PS2 Xbox generation at home, oh, okay. uh, and I didn't really get to play it at like cousins' houses or anything like that. So I don't really have, um, that affiliation or that affection for it. Um, right. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think I played the first or second one. Like I yeah. feel, I think I rented it out, um, from like. What's it called? Video Easy or something? Whatever that's called. <laughs> yep, yep. Wow, that's that's a, that's a while. That's a while ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, I don't. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised they're remaking the second one. Like, if rather than just making another one, like they did with the SpongeBob game, you know. But I don't know. I'm sure we'll see like a brand new one soon. I was just mm. kind of thinking with like, why don't they just remake the second one right away so they can just jump right into a new one or something? It just seems like an odd approach, but doesn't hurt people are going to buy it and enjoy it so yeah um after destroy humans there was a new trailer for the stunt fest world tour um the premise is that 18 players compete against each other in an elimination based stunt show hmm. there's various game modes it kind of looks um i don't know like you're like you the, i guess like the main conceit of the gameplay is that it's like an arcade racer except you can kind of instantly turn into a person in like wingsuit into wherever you want and then transform back into a car <laughs> so it's kind of and i guess it seems very um hectic mm. as far as an arcade racer goes with a big focus on multiplayer yeah so, it's, uh, mm. this is hilarious <laughs> it's just <laughs> it, it's it sort of reminds me of diddy kong racing in a way where you, you <laughs> know so, what I, mean? I don't know that game because of like the different um modes of like you can fly like there's like different 
it seems like there's different paths through each map and and like it suits like okay if you're the plane style you go through this way you take the high road or like you go through these loop-de-loops and stuff and if you're a car you go through like loop um these different like kind of pathways as well so it's it's kind of like a modern it's like a modernized version of um uh diddy kong racing in that way uh, i don't know how else to it's it's diddy kong racing is one of those games where it's like it was around but i didn't play it but i know that it's a, it's a beloved game and the appeal of it was the fact that there were like multiple ways to tackle a track if i'm remembering correctly. it makes me think that it's like if it's kind of similar to flat out i think that's the, okay. the arcade racer with a lot of chaos <laughs> fueling every aspect of it now that one i think is a bug bugbear joint Flat yeah, out. I think yeah, because they made breakfast after that. I think. Yeah, but I was thinking if it's anything like that, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Um, because it, it is entering beta soon, so mm. yeah, bugbear should yep. should be able to get a um taste of it. Yeah, sometime. that's not very long now. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and lastly, a new trailer for the Valiant. This is a squad-based RTS set in 13th century Europe and the Middle East. Basically, a squad-based RTS where you control medieval knights. Is the idea this is like um <laughs> company of heroes crusades edition <laughs> yeah so uh, we'll see how that goes um it's developed by kite games and it's coming to pc very pc heavy showcase yeah just noticed. <laughs> almost it, none of this is coming to anything else yeah well, not none, but I, I think in my in my head in my head when i think of like um european game development i i like when I think of um, games that aren't like PlayStation, PC, my head always goes to PC because I feel like whenever there are those like kind of underground, like those kind of surprise hits, they've come through PC. Maybe it's like like the Metro series was one of those. It was like, oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. made it by some Eastern European com- country. Oh, it's it's only on PC. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, like Metro <laughs> was like following up the momentum behind Stalker, I think. Yeah, which yeah. Which is probably what you're describing, you know. It's like yeah. PC only. Yeah. Like cult hit, you know. And like, uh, yeah, you're right there. It's like Europe has like a big PC demographic. Yeah, and like, um, like, the, like those, uh, those melee combat games that are like set in medieval times. I forget what the names are, but like Chivalry and. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's what I think of what the other ones called. I'm pretty sure those ones came out of Europe as well. <laughs> right. Which I realize is a very generic thing to say. It's like a very like very nothing thing to say. So I do apologize. It comes out third of the planet. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know, it's that thing from that continent. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, yeah. Th- thanks John. There's a there's a lot there. But yeah, PC. I mean, as a PC gamer, it's good for me, but at least it's it, uh, quite a few of these games are coming out on on newer consoles. Nothing here really stands out as a triple A kind of like game, but I don't think Embrace sorry, THQ Nordic is in the business of um of uh the triple A. Much like classic THQ, I guess. Yeah. Well it's like I actually love I mean, as much as I kind of despise Embracer for earlier um actions that hold against them, it's like I actually I wish there were more publishers like this. Where I understand they have just a ton of money to throw at stuff, but they're kind of approaching it in a more sensible way, you know, like game development in general, mm. using not impossible amounts of money. 
like it's like not every project is this gigantic gamble yeah um which is like every other like because that like when you say like triple a it's like you're just talking about the scale of production mm-hmm. and the, that scale of production means the most money possible yeah or the most money in return possible yeah you know just based on what they expect and want and etc and it usually doesn't like it works out fine because ips have strong awareness and attach rates and all that but it's um it's not like it's not a great idea and it's only getting worse you know mm. so it's kind of uh, hopefully this kind of approach kind of other larger publishers because uh, like say like japanese publishers do the same thing i think you just don't hear about it as much so i guess it's just kind of i don't know i guess my point is that it's kind of cool to see like a showcase of games of this scale yeah 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 and there was a little teaser at the end of uh something coming from south park digital studios so we'll uh, we'll see what that turns out to be because i think there were the was it ubisoft who published those two kind of like rpg style um south park games i wonder who yeah that sounds right it was ubisoft maybe but yeah huh so this will be uh interesting to see what what comes out of thq nordic but but uh, I guess if we we stick within the Embracer group, because that's what THQ Nordic is part of, apparently, um, let's uh, let's move it over to the actual parent company, the full Embracer group. And the Embracer group has done, I guess, what it does, what it's known for, and that is just buying companies. Like, every day there's just some new acquisitions. So, uh, the new set of acquisition, and this, this, this came out of a, a few different sources, but this... this this only uh, broke a few hours ago. Um, I've got the Gamatsu article up on, on screen for folks at home to, to have a look through. But essentially, uh, Embracer Group has founded a new collective, or what it likes to call a new, quote, operative group. Um, uh, it's essentially a collection of, of, of studios, um, as well as a new stu- brand new studio, to kind of focus on a few different key areas. So this new operative group is called Embracer Free Mode. And the the I guess the the business goal for this is to look after six different quote market segments. Um, the first one being uh, dedicated to retro gaming. Uh, so retro gaming and retro entertainment. The second one being, uh, you know, Game development and production, uh, I presume being modern game, new game production. Uh, the third area being devices, gear, and collectibles. Uh, sounds like expect to see some more branded, I don't know, like mouse pads and headphones and like statuettes and stuff. Um, the fourth area would be uh, community and e-commerce. Um, so expect, I don't, I don't know, like does this mean there's going to be like or log in through the Embracer launcher and link your accounts and you get free stuff across the Embracer group, like games, sort of like what Fortnite did with um, with Epic Games and its other acquisitions. Uh, and then there's a fifth area, which is going to be focused on new idea and technology incubation. So the way I interpret it is like, um, maybe not a new game engine, but maybe third-party tools, um, that could be used in, in future games or it could just be like, you know, talking about uh, augmented reality, v- virtual reality, things like that. That's, 
I think it's just a way to kind of fund and develop projects that aren't games. I think um, uh, all gaming related. Uh, and then the last part is production services. Uh, that's the sixth area they want to focus on. The fact that this is separated from the retro game development and the new game development area, for me, implies that production services is about broadcast production or media production. You know, TV shows may be based on classic game uh, like franchises they own or even movies. You know, licensing out, you know, like a TV show to Netflix or something based on, you know, I don't even know what, what, what they own now. Like, Oh, well, technically Borderlands, right? You know, things like that. Because I think Borderlands is part of Embracer Group, isn't it? Yeah. I could also see um, yeah, production services there, yeah. meaning like um, just producer roles for companies underneath it. Oh, like yeah. That. I can see that. Because it's like... Or behind the scenes together, content. Yeah. So I think it's like altogether these like six things are just meant to be elements of another subsidiary like another major one <laughs> yeah. like alongside saber and gearbox you know because yeah. there's like eight of them now and it's, this yep. is just they, they, this i is feel just like they're one. all just yeah i feel like these are all just broad definitions in official speak yeah for another one <laughs> so it just i guess this one is just going to be very yeah like retro sort of you know um what's the word just for um like old releases yeah because like that kind of thing because I, I think they've got like you know Saber Interactive has a lot of, that has like the shooter kind of mm. a lot of the shooter brands and then Gearbox has got its own IPs and stuff like that. So this is just like a not easy way, but like a um a a kind of simpler way to kind of tackle games that are outside of those like kind of those other um, franchises. Didn't Embrace a group acquire Square um like Crystal Dynamics and. Not Crystal Dynamics. Mm. Yeah, like the Tomb Raider IP and stuff like that. IDOS Montreal, Square Enix Montreal. Well, what was Square Enix Montreal? Um, so yep. that's another group there. So this yeah, is like... It's like, it's, yeah. like, it's like free mode is meant to represent like another niche Embracer yeah. wants to focus on in its own little corner. Just mm. like, yeah, like you were saying, like, you know, Sabre is shooter. So we'll put, you know, all that stuff in that little basket yeah. over there. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that. it, it makes sense now because... I guess it's like, okay, anything that doesn't fit into those other things, we want to come up, we want to look after some of the classic IPs we own that aren't owned by those other brands. We want to do some new game development that isn't related to those other brands and then, you know, create some other things that like don't, you, d you don't want to share those kind of risks or whatever. Great, that you make a new thing that'll... um that'll handle all of it. So as part of this, uh, Embracer Group made a number of acquisitions. I'm going to quickly uh, go through these because the next story is going to be a, a doozy. So uh, I'll go through these acquisitions. So the first one was Bitwave Games. Uh, essentially, with the acquisition, um, the, the plan is to expand the development team and also to create a new publishing uh, team within the business. Uh, so folks who... Uh, Bitwave Games is known for uh, shoot 'em up games such as the Toa Plan series. Um and and they want to bring that to the PC, as well as classic uh, publishing the classic kind of Nintendo slash Famicom era platformer game called Gimmick, um, and bringing that I guess westward on on modern systems. Um, the next acquisition is Geotech, Geotech. I'd say, I'd say Geotech. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. 
That's what I thought as well. <laughs> which uh, which um, pe- uh, people in Europe might know is like a very popular gaming accessory brand. So this is uh, this is probably leading that accessories and collectibles arm of the the free mode group that we mentioned before. Um, this the other one, which I think is a is a is a larger purchase, I guess. Well, it's an important purchase. Is that uh, they've acquired limited run games and so the free mode brand um, is going to run limited run games and they've acquired it from the founders Josh Fairhurst and Douglas Bogart Uh, so this limited run is focused on collectibles or collector's items that are usually licensed so um, and they tend to sell well according to the press release direct to consumer Um, which which kind of like I don't know if it's sort of like a ESC toy or something like that. Um, oh, well, they tend to sell like um, physical versions of digital only mm, games. Yeah, that's what you see a lot from them. But you're right, collectibles is a yeah good description. It's like of what um, they, they they they're not going to sell it in like your Walmart or your GameStop or something like this. Is more like we're going to make a, a a a certain limited run, so to speak of like a, a physical version of these digital games and you might get some some goodies and things like that there as well. Uh, the other thing is also uh, this um, limited run also runs, owns uh, the rights to the Carbon Engine, which is used to port a lot of older classic games to modern systems. So this kind of taps into that retro gaming, I guess, uh, uh, pillar of one of those, um, one of the six business units they've got uh, free mode looking after um so mm. i think that'll be a great it could be like a way to say okay um sort of like what sega's done with i think uh, the the sonic the new sonic engine like the sonic origins collection that came out a few months ago it's a, those aren't actual like kind of ports of the classic sonic games they're actually recreations of the th- 2d sonic games in a brand new engine so that's why the okay. that's why the few things have been changed in them. So that's mm. why people. Well, it's like yeah, I feel like M two might be a good example as well. Probably the better one because I think Sonic Origins people didn't like so yes. much. Yes, but yeah, yeah like M two was like another which was like you know, the Metroid. Sega. Uh, was it was M two the Metroid one or was that different? I think it was different. Like M two is the one who did a lot of retro games in the last decade or so. Oh no, they've been around for a long time. I think they were originally an arcade developer. I don't know. You mean like AM2? Like... Sega's no, AM2? That's, that's or is the M2 the... one. <laughs> oh, okay. Pretty sure. No, no. Hang AM2 on. was Sega's internal arcade development thing. Okay. Oh, now and then, then there was also AM... AM2R, I think you're talking about. Another Metroid 2 remake. That's the one that got M- shut down. M2 Co. Limited is a Japanese video game developer best known for handling emulation of re-released games such as some Sega Ages con- titles and virtual Sega Ages, titles. yeah. So M2 would have made those ones, yeah. yeah. So this this sounds like a like a embraces equivalent of having an in-house engine or in-house, I guess, like a retro-focused um, kind of technology house. So it means that as Embracer gets a lot of these, acquires a lot of these companies and the existing IP rights, it means that there's the opportunity to re-release and, and port older older games to new systems. Especially games... I think Embracer Group actually openly said that it wants to preserve um, and highlight games from Europe. Which, mm. um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Wow, I remembered something for once. <laughs> <laughs> Not going, oh, what was that again? Um, and then the... 
The other one, uh, I guess, uh, uh, another one, which is a, another major acquisition, is that uh, the Embracer Group has acquired Middle Earth Enterprises, which was a division of the Soul Zanes Company. Now, if you're wondering why Middle Earth is in there, and you're like, that sounds like a Lord of the Rings thing, it's because it is. So, Middle Earth Enterprises is the, I guess, the official IP holder and rights holder to games board game sorry video games board games merchandise theme parks stage productions and films of the lord of the rings trilogy the hobbit and other i guess tolkien or not tolkien but i guess middle earth related literature um that is you know officially endorsed by the tolkien estate and and harper collins which is the original publisher of the i think the lord of the rings books now this technically also includes TV shows, but apparently it doesn't cover TV shows that go for more than eight episodes. And that is why the Amazon Prime show, The Rings of Power, isn't affected by this. Mm. Um, I wonder which, how the second season works then. If, yeah. uh, I'm, kind of, I'm very curious about that now. <laughs> hey, if they make more than eight episodes, it won't be. they won't have to worry about it probably. Yeah, <laughs> you just live off this one forever. Yeah. So basically, if if it's not if it's not a Tolkien novel, Embracer owns it, essentially, or or if it's not a TV show, that's a longer kind of longer scale TV show. So this is um, this is so weird. <laughs> like this is just like yeah, especially um, yeah, like hearing that you know Weta Workshop is working on a new Lord of the Rings kind of game, but you know. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, the next acquisition is Singtrix. Uh, so Singtrix is known for its audio, like kind of rhythm game, audio game products. Uh, so it's got a vocal, according to this, uh, according to the article, it's got a vocal technology platform. And essentially, it's a way for Embracer Group to tap into the, I guess, like popular but under represented music game genre because like I, I I always saw ads for a game called Beatstar on mobile and then I got addicted to it. It's basically uh, like the think of like Guitar Hero but like it's like Tap Tap. Remember Tap Tap back in the day? Tap Tap Revolution. So that was like a iOS like iPad tu- iPod touch um like a rhythm oh, game. Dance Revolution. Oh huh? whatever's called No not Dance What's Dance the- Revolution. There was Tap Tap. Like tap tap. I was saying, it's like, was yeah. it like a phone version of it? Or? Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it was like, um, so it's it's that same idea where you got like kind of three notes coming down in a note highway, but you got like swipes and slides and holds and stuff. So it's a really fun game that really kind of taps into that same haha uh, part of the brain, you know that that the that, uh, rhythm games did. The, so um, this is gonna allow Embracer to take on um, you know music games. Game uh, like music streaming and also tackle mobiles because uh, Singtrix apparently had really good has that uh, you know good good grasp of the mobile like game development. The other thing that this does is that because Singtrix is based in Los Angeles, it means that Embracer now has, I guess, a foothold in the U.S. So now it'll it'll, it'll kind of like. I don't know, infiltrate the US via Syntrix and like get into the LA, the West Coast creator scene. And then, okay. you know, like, I mean, LA and 
LA and New and and San Francisco they're pretty big game development hubs. So like if you forget in there, like it it's only a matter of time before it spreads to like you know, New York's another one, Washington, like kind of that middle middle America and then also like in Texas there's some like they've already got um uh Gearbox is based in Texas, I think. Yeah, Texas. So they've got like kind of the, the southern part of America, the southwestern. Now they've got the west coast. So they're gonna conquer the US pretty soon. It's a Viking invasion of the of North America which hasn't happened since the early last millennium. <laughs> <laughs> um it says it's only like five developers all up in yeah. Syncric, but it does make me think about it's like I wonder if they're gonna go for like just dance, sort of like that sort mm. of market. I mean it's that's a long stretch for this kind of yeah small team, but it's like I don't know. I get like maybe that's the idea. I would I, I would know. go for it. Like there is an Xbox One back in this house because I, I borrowed it off my family friends because I want to play Dance Central, and the the only <laughs> way you can play it is on. You know that the, the Dance Central Spotlight was the game that made me get an Xbox One. Oh, <laughs> I had yeah. a pre-order down for the Xbox One and then it cancelled it, but then I waited and then when when Dance Central Spotlight got announced, so when it was came out, I was like, yeah, I'm getting an Xbox. So this if, is the kind yeah. of I need. <laughs> well, pretty much. Like that's why. Yeah. Like maybe I'll get a PS5 once the PS5 camera's out. Because I don't know if there's a new version of the camera, and I'm like, I'm not gonna. And then I'm like, I'm not buying a PS5 until iToy's back. <laughs> I, I want iToy back. I want Buzz back. I want SingStar back. Um, I want. I want like when. Okay, tangent here. But like back in the day when it was Dance Central and then there was Just Dance, Just Dance was kind of like the lame one. I think it was the more popular one because it was just... I think that's still true. Yeah, because like Just Dance actually tracked your movements and wanted to make sure that you were trying to at least accurately do the the moves. Whereas I, I think Just Dance, I remember videos of people just sitting on the couch with the Wiimote and then just flailing the Wiimote around and that would just count. Because there was no camera or anything. It was just literally just tracking the movement of the, like, the Wiimote nunchucks and stuff. So I don't know, like, with cameras, if, like, like, with the Kinect or with the the PlayStation camera, if they actually became more accurate in terms of how they track your performance. So that's why, in my mind, like, I'm like, yep, I want to play Dance Central. I can't play it on a a new system because the Kinect's not, I mean, if you can even get a Kinect, um, it's not compatible. Even with the new okay. series, even with the Xbox One X, because it didn't have the Kinect uh, adapter anymore, the plug, you had to get a USB uh, adapter that was only available via through Microsoft via Redemption for like the first, I don't know, six months or whatever of the the Xbox One X being out. Hmm, so okay. anyway, that was that's uh that's my uh my aside there, my esoteric aside there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next acquisition is of Tatsujin. Um, which is uh, uh, based in Japan. Uh, it's led by Masahiro Yuge, uh, who's one of the founders of the the of a game studio called Toa Plan. Um, and that studio is known for games like Truxton, Snowbros, and Flying Shark. Um, so, separate to this deal, Embracer has actually perch- has acquired the rights to Toa Plan's catalog. And what this means is that uh, several of the employees that originally worked on those classic games will now be looking after these games going forward so which is always a good thing um but well okay it's mostly a good thing you never know like what those people are really like <laughs> um yes <laughs> yeah but it means that this would be embrace's first step into the japanese development scene 
So mm. uh, in two years, Square Enix will be part of Embrace Group. It's like it's like hearing like it's like the kind of news we keep hearing about um Tencent. It's like, yeah. oh, now they're over here, <laughs> this sort of thing. Which is like not inherently bad. It's just like it's amazing watching these um these corporations kind of like spread in real time, you know? Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent, hundred percent. And this uh uh the next one is uh, an acquisition via Saber Interactive. So we were talking about kind of like Saber Interactive being like the the hub of European uh, shooter and action studios uh, for, t- um, for I was going to say Tencent, but no, for Embracer Group. And so Embracer Group's Saber Interactive has purchased Tuxedo Labs. Uh, Tuxedo Labs uh, is from Sweden and it's known for its voxel-based game called Teardown. Which is the game that like is like physics based, like just basically like demolition, like create elaborate kind of Rube Goldman like machines or like you know like mousetrap mousetrap like dominoes kind of like setups and then just destroy them and then just watch your frame rate tank because your your computer can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. So um this this is this is a really cool um really cool acquisition but I, and, and I wonder if this means that like maybe that kind of um, that type of game engine that type of destruction technology might be shared with other Embracer Group product pro, uh, projects so it could mm. be an interesting one as well um, and then the last one is a pretty a pretty major one as well this is also via Saber Interactive so Embracer Group has purchased 100% of the shares of U.S. developer and publisher Tripwire Interactive. So Tripwire is well is is probably best known for the Killing Floor and Rising Storm series, as well as Maneater, which I think was that shark game. Yeah, like shark PG. Shark, yeah, yeah. It was like a asymmetrical. Multi- it's like um, you know, your divers versus sharks, right? Is that if, if I'm? Oh no, no, it's like a single player like RPG, except you're a shark. It's oh, pretty okay. straightforward. Oh, what am I <laughs> thinking of then? I'm th- maybe I'm thinking of a different like game. There was like a mm. multiplayer game where you played as like divers on one side and sharks on the other. Um, yeah, I think I remember what you're talking about, but it's been a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. So they've they've uh, so uh, Tripwire was uh, responsible for Maneater. So I think they published that game. And uh, so as part of this deal, Tripwire's um, publishing division, which is called Tripwire Presents, has also come along and joined the Saber Interactive. Uh, Embracer Group family, <laughs> but yeah, that's mm. that's going to do it for the, I guess for the goings on 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 uh, how should I put it? The I was going to say the other side of the pond, but we're in we're in Australia, so th- that doesn't quite work. I'll just say for for like the rest of the world, <laughs> the rest of the world, yeah, for for like Europe's biggest, arguably biggest publisher now, which are just crazy to think about. Oh, besides yeah. besides Ubisoft, I think Ubisoft still is. Technically is larger, is it? I, I okay. think it is. Well, I guess they do have like dozens of developers around the world and stuff. That probably is true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, John, um, why don't we uh, take it over to some more kind of disappointing news and and talk about some of the allegations happening at a uh, Nintendo of America, allegedly. Yes. Um, this will probably be our last story because we've been running a bit long. Um, well, not long, just you know, does yeah. There's been a lot to cover. News report. Um, yeah, exactly. It's a long one. Um, this comes from a report from Sissi Jiang at Kotaku. 
It's a report on sex harassment faced by contract workers at Nintendo's um, at Nintendo, specifically their testing departments in Washington in the US. Um, yes, yeah, so this is like a large group of people within Nintendo. So mm-hmm. according to Kotaku's report, roughly 25% of the roles that advertised at the North American headquarters in Washington were on a contract yep. basis. So roughly a quarter of all workers in Nintendo in the US are contractors. This is who it affects. So these contractors usually work for outside companies and not Nintendo specifically. Mm. So this article specifically talks about Aerotech. Um, they're now known as Aston Carter because they've been sort of like reformed. I'm not sure exactly what went on there, but they're basically the same company and they specifically deal with contract workers. Um, and these contract workers are specifically testers. I don't think they, like that's what these workers are yeah. um, meant to do. So it's also worth mentioning that full-time Nintendo employees who aren't contractors are usually referred to as red badges. Um, this is because they have like a bright red stripe on their employee ID card. That's kind of so, so silly. Just to set up a very clear dichotomy right from yeah. the start because this is what it's about. It's very us and them. Yeah. So first off, women are both uh, very underrepresented among contractors, but also not hired into full-time roles um, almost ever either. So this is sort of, I don't think this is very uncommon to hear. I think we've reported about this kind of thing very often, but it's basically, yeah. So basically to start, there is not a huge proportion of women at Nintendo's US um, site to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, So five sources estimated that um, the number of women as in contractor roles probably hovers around 10% um, because of the nature of having to go from contract to full-time role. This means it's probably less overall in full-time positions. So there's a line in the article that says, in some projects with several dozen team members, women on the team would number in the single digits. So from here, there are also significant wage gaps reported, at least among contractors specifically. So after working at Nintendo for nine years, um, a source um, named Hannah, she found out a junior male contractor in her own department was making $19 an hour while she was making mm. 16 She kind of fought for a pay rise and only got up to 18 as a compromise. She had to fight for that. She had to fight for yeah, that. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So, and then there was basically, and people who left, based, there are at least a couple of people who left who immediately got significantly higher wages as well. Yeah. So it's, it's very much a Nintendo issue in this case, or at least an Aerotech. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Same thing, obviously. Um, Hannah was also someone who reported a mention of sexual harassment and also of um, this kind of, unprofessional discussion in like, you know, group chat environments in like for the contractors. Um, when she, um, when she reported the incident, she was warned by Aerotech to be less outspoken. Um, this is partly because the person she reported, um, like she reported an incident about a translator mm. who was making sexual comments in group chat, but this person was a full-time Nintendo employee. And because they weren't an Aerotech employee, they couldn't do anything aside from Nintendo that must be so giving them that. Yeah, so like that dichotomy is like 
mm. causes a real issue just in that very you know straightforward sense where it's like if nintendo doesn't care Aerotech can't really do much to people who really step out of line yes yeah. yeah um Aerotech has been involved in multiple labor lawsuits um across over the years so just last year Aerotech was forced to pay three million to settle an anti-description <laughs> anti-discrimination lawsuit in regards to quote age sex and race so and the federal um equal equal employment opportunity commission which we've reported on before um they've been investigating Aerotech basically non-stop for since down there for racial and gender discrimination so they've kind of got a history of their own mm. which you know unsurprising According to Kotaku sources, um, the office at Redmond, Washington, um, they described it as a place that has a problem with treating women with respect. Um, Kotaku spoke to 10 sources for this article, um, and they pointed to different points in time over the last decade. So telling a story, quote, telling a story of a corporate culture where sexist behavior was commonplace and very little action was taken to address it, which again is not, you know, very familiar talk it's just you know yeah. this time at nintendo which i think is kind of i guess it's like i think it's not to stop this like what i'm saying short i'll get to the rest of it but i think i feel like that's kind of the main point with this particular story is that uh, beside how awful a lot of these individual things are is that nintendo is not um just because they're sort of a darling of the industry and have such a legendary position within it doesn't mean they're just as susceptible or not susceptible like you know just as uh what's the word um they do this stuff as well okay. <laughs> basically yes. like they're like, just uh, exactly exactly it's like um you know they're not like innately better as a corporation and company to work for than yeah. these other companies we're reporting on you know like you know like when we talk about activision blizzard for six months straight about how awful they are you know that's not like it's kind of unsurprising <laughs> because they were sort of a villain of the industry yeah, as someone yeah. you know and like it was that villainness was like unrelated to the kind of things we were t discussing about the mm. act like but it's um you know that was like almost easier to accept nintendo was like they almost have like the opposite reputation in a way. Not not entirely, but close to it, at least for some people. And it's you know they're being acute, like they forgetting my words, but you know they have the same problems more or less. Like they have like um you know any company can. Yeah. It's basically the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> um. Okay. Back on track. Um. So aside from the harassment that a lot of women suffered from at aerotech slash nintendo mm. um they also faced issues with trying to advance in the company um so former testers told kotaku that there was kind of a revolving door of female talent and the management and management was just didn't care to try and keep them um contractors weren't given explicit goals or benchmarks to hit that mean they could actually convert to full-time employment or even like contract renewal which is another part of it it's like it was very based on favoritism and cronyism and a lot of it was just based on being friends with the guy who made that decision and it was always a guy as well it from sounds funny weird. how that happens yes 
Just saying. Um, no, you're right. <laughs> um, the report also highlights two longtime employees who are particularly. Um, what's, oh, I'm getting the words. But they're particularly like bad at this Tro- particular thing. Oh, okay, yeah, I was going to say troublesome. But... <laughs> yeah, that's that's good as well. Um, so these employees being Melvin Forrest and Eric Bush. Merrick Forrest has been working in the product testing department since the early '90s, so he's been there for almost three decades now. Around that, um, he's eventually became the head of the test um, product testing department. So he's the one who makes the schedules for Aerotech contractors. He's the one who decides who returns after a project ends. So being an Aerotech contractor in his department means being friends with him, regardless of whether you want to be or not. Yeah. And as a manager, he was, yeah, very problematic. And like a lot of harassment came directly from him, as sources tell Kotaku. So allegedly to cover us, I suppose. So Forrest made inappropriate advances towards female testers. Um, He would say stuff like, what was it? Yeah, he'd comment on female associates, weight and appearance. Um, And these contractors felt, quote, felt like they had no choice but to stay on good terms with Forrest. And there was a specific quote from one of the from sources, Allison. If you're friendly with him, you're more likely to be brought back sooner or less likely to be laid off, which is a particularly bleak line, I think, when you're talking about a job. And yeah, it's especially sad. a contract. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was also mention in the article of a Seattle gala where Nintendo was a sponsor. He said that at the party, his supervisor, Eric Bush, he um, he leaned in and told him to ask a female contractor what color her panties were. Um, he's also very prolific in games such as Golden Sun, a bunch of Pokemon games, Breath of the Wild. Um, sexual harassment are along, among managers is basically like a you know central theme here. So there was a quote from a former tester that saying product testing really felt like a frat house sometimes. So she said she tried to avoid interacting with a man who held so much power, but she had to deal with her male coworkers as well, who were, you know, seemingly about as bad, making like, you know, disgusting jokes and just generally treating women like the women contractors poorly and in yeah. Um, yeah, so one of the sources also said that after she put on a shield against um, sexual comments at work, her supervisor commended her for being tougher than the girl who had cried at the office. So there's um, very... <sighs> yeah. yeah, there's also a line which I kind of says, when she complained, men would tell her that she had to be tough enough to work in product testing. And it was like, when I imagine the kind of people saying that, it's just like fuck who i mean i understand like the problem with this is like culture as well as the individuals you know they're being they're reinforcing themselves and the the man people at top are only either reinforcing it or not doing enough to dissuade it and it's just like but whenever i think of it it's like man how could you say that kind of stuff and be like yeah that i'm a cool person i respect it's just like it's always like so upsetting it's upsetting in an obvious way but it's also just just hearing the specifics like that. And it's like, man, who even talks like that? It's just, it's like, I don't know. I guess I don't have much of a point. It's just upsetting. 
Um, yeah, you never want to hear this. Let's be yeah. honest. Okay. Um, I think I've taken too many stops. <laughs> um, next up was that um, queer women, welcome, queer women experienced an um, extra layer of unwelcome behavior and un unequal treatment. So one of the sources, Hannah, um, she was an out lesbian and she was, she talked about her sexuality, like she was open about it, not talked about it. Um, coming up several times during her like decade at Nintendo, she was like often just disrespected or just ignored for the, like just for that basic fact. So she said, there was one line that says after she explained why she could not return her male colleagues advances or like her, their commons, commons, they would ask quote, but are you sure? But you're flirting with me. You're just playing hard to get. The comments made her so uncomfortable that she put her male colleagues at a distance, which she believed negatively negatively impacted her career. And another queer tester also said she felt she was unfairly targeted by her aerotech. So, like specifically, she was in a relationship with another tester. She was holding hands with that tester, like you know, in sight of in department, Management, and then yeah. she was targeted for like her, you know, PDA. The PDA policy that was like never at all enforced for any straight couples. So it's um yes. And yeah, so on the topic of dating as well, um a lot of the full time employees used so red badges, they kind of use the contractor pool as oh the contractor, yeah, pool as of associates as a quote dating pool. So there's a line that says from the source Allison. If you're approached by a red badge and they appear to be making moves on you, other women said that you didn't want to dissuade them too hard. And the upsides of this was being, you know, basically playing into the favoritism and cronyism of the culture that's already there. And there was a line that said that basically if you're a woman woman in as a contractor in Nintendo, people just assumed you were friends or better or, you know, whatever with someone like a red badge or something like that. It's just, it's like the only yeah, way to, to get rise in. up. Yeah. Especially as a woman, you know. Um, there was one incident I mentioned in the article that says one former contractor claimed a more uh, senior tester actually stalked her between 2011 and 2012, made um, calls and text messages to her phone that one, one witness felt were disturbing. Um, and three other sources actually confirmed this was the case. Um, but because the man was friends with the right people, she didn't feel she could flag the stalk to a mm. contracting company. Um, yeah, so these sources corroborated about how the stalker had, quote, free reign to torment his victim. He had said verbatim that he would get me fired if I reported it. Um, yeah, so the report ends with the basic like you know if it wasn't clear enough with a former tester saying that quote you're just a disposable commodity and you're reminded that if you're not willing to do something someone else would love to have your spot and the aerotech yeah. and nintendo seem to really play on people's love for the nintendo brand which is not you know yeah not surprising you know like it's upsetting but it's like of course that's how it goes like that's how a <sighs> yeah. lot of game development goes you know yeah and, and even um within games journalism like that was the thing for the longest time why there were so many unpaid internships or why people would be overworked and underpaid from like a writing or like a creation point of view is because they're like well this is a dream job this is 
like there's going to be another 20 year old hungry to get into the industry so suck it up or leave yeah yeah exactly it's um yeah so i guess just to reiterate reiterate the point i was trying to make earlier basically nintendo is not um is just as likely to have these sort of problems as any other company in games or just software or anything and it's just it needs to be that point needs to be reiterated you know people shouldn't like certain companies shouldn't be uh assumed to be better i guess so yeah as upsetting as that entire report is it's a reminder that people need to be need to have i guess yeah mm. oh, i agree it's yeah i don't know i'm just i'm just have we had like a big kind of story like this in our in the local industry in australia i can't think of one can't think i think of that was one that came up during the um the there was like a stuff? few like indie yeah ones i think one of them was australian but i forget now mm. and then we also had team bondi from a decade ago yeah yeah well, that like, one talked about la noir that Ooh, was a bad one that one was a really uh yeah that one was a really really um bad one um i'm just trying to think yeah can't really think of anything off the top of my head. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not inviting people to, like, I'm not trying to manifest it into the world out there. So, I really hope that people, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I just don't want it to happen. <laughs> just, yeah, I really don't yeah. want to read about it. Like, we, we, I think you and I both are sick of, um, sick of seeing stories like this coming up, and it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating. Oh, sorry. I feel like it's actually been a little while at this point. No, like, no, no. no well, well yeah. It just has felt like a little while since we've... <laughs> um, yeah, it's been more updates rather than fresh allegations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, th- I think that's going to... I think that's going to do it for the news for this week. I think there's uh, there's plenty of stuff there. I think let's... Let's, um, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the games you've been playing. Take a little uh, little drink break. And uh, talk about and uh, go on to the chit chat section of the show. So, John, you've been playing uh, <clears throat> a couple of newer games like Rumbleverse and Cult of the Lamb. What do you want to talk about first? Um, go Rumbleverse because I think I don't have too much to say on it. Although <laughs> I will say it's like Rumbleverse is like I heard about it from Jeff Gersman that he seemed quite excited about it and he reminded me that it existed. Yeah. And that it was also from Iron Galaxy who are pretty, you know, well regarded as a game developer. And I don't mind it. Like it's like also, yeah, that's the other point. It's like literally the first battle royale I've played because I've avoided this entire genre. And then immediately after I also played Fortnite for the first time ever. <laughs> which is funnily enough unrelated to the Dragon Ball Z crossover that's currently happening. I did yeah. not know it. I forgot that was happening. And then the next day it happened. <laughs> it was like right <laughs> after I tried it. But it's um anyway, get get back to the point. Rumbleverse feels very unfinished right now even though it's technically launched it feels kind of rough around the edges in a lot of places but as a combat like i like the i like what they've tried to find which is 
basically it's a battle royale with 40 people at least for now i think it's 40 and it's like a melee based battle royale where you're using pro wrestling moves to you know beat everyone else up in the most like efficient and effective way yeah, possible rather than like so shooter shooter weapons like guns and stuff yeah so as far as i can tell there's a bit of a like rock paper scissors dynamic to what you have so you have throws you have mm. strikes and you have um something else i don't remember <laughs> um, strikes it... like kind of grapple uh i mean yeah i guess i really don't remember it's been a second but it's like it, but there's basically like a dynamic of attacks that will cancel out or just otherwise have effects with this over mm. other moves and that's mm. kind of how you you know win over other players um with my i need to figure out my ethernet cabling first and then i'll try it again see if i have a slightly better time because it's yeah. very much based on timing and strategy 100%. like in yeah. the moment because you need to be able to like time your strikes well and your grapples well so you can actually get them otherwise it's just frustrating yeah i didn't actually realize it was published by epic games as well yeah i needed to make an epic i need to connect my epic account first yeah which is like yeah this is not what i expected like i mean i guess that gives a bit more like backing like i think i feel like epic games has the money to kind of back this even if it doesn't have the biggest player base at the beginning but i feel like it's had i feel like it disappeared for months and then it's just and then it's out now i feel like there wasn't like ongoing talks like ongoing hype about it in in the months um like in between i feel like um i heard more about multiverses and that that nickelodeon kind of like platform fighter is that what they're called rather than like something like this yeah maybe that's it maybe like multiverses kind of just took the oxygen a bit but mm. like just like oh even though i don't think they're too similar but maybe they're similar enough you know yeah but it's um yeah I, i'm not sure like because you're right because it's like it's also on epic game store as an exclusive mm. which means mm. almost no one's gonna play it there but it does have cross play so yeah. that helps but it's um which is why I had to log in with the Epic account. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to try it again. I didn't love it. It feels like a game that would be a lot stronger in a few months with a bit gotcha. more polish. Well, and what what is it lacking? I don't actually know. Because, like, that's part of the reason I was like, I was mentioned Fortnite. Yeah. And I like played that, and that's so much more polished and, you know, obviously finished, more or less. Yeah. It's just constantly evolving and changing. And it's like, as soon as I, like, I played a couple rounds of that, again, for the first time ever, <laughs> never touched these games. I just, like, was in the mood for it lately. And I immediately realized that the progression systems of these games don't work on me. I, I really need good core gameplay, and the circularness of multiplayer titles don't, are rarely enough for me, I think. Hmm. So, so in that sense, I'm not actually sure exactly what Rumbleverse is lacking other than i don't know like i, I guess like because right now the storefront and the overall selection of gear is like doesn't draw me in i think yeah. the combat is fun but i think it maybe the net code just needs a bit more smoothing out yeah to really kind of have like a better average experience but gotcha. maybe mine's just really below average in a way i'm not <laughs> quite sure of i'm not sure yeah but it's um yeah i don't know like i think it like it's artistically i'm not super into it i don't love the visuals personally i thought mm. i would like it more but I, mm. I find it 
I, I, I don't. I think it could look nicer than it does. Yeah. But that's maybe. I'm not sure. Like, I, I can't tell exactly what I need right now to get drawn into a game like this because Fortnite doesn't have it either. And I'm kind of curious if any, if there is a battle royale that does. Because like you play Apex Legends, like what draws you into that game? I think, I think with a game like Apex Legends is that it's just the core gameplay is so good, and that you still have fun shooting. Like you still have fun playing the game, and I think if you don't have fun playing the core mechanics, like I don't think anything can really make up for that. Um, yeah, and I think that's why. I bounce off other shooters. Like, like the game has to be fun to play. That's the main thing. And then the stuff around it is what keeps you going. And you're right. Like, with a Battle Royale, I guess the I guess the appeal that people like is the fact that, okay, the everyone starts on an equal playing field, so to speak. Like, it's not like you get access to guns and I can't because of, like, a paywall or anything like that. It's like, okay... No matter how good you are, you start every round again f- from nothing, and you got to scramble to get to what you need to do, which is good in terms of like a pick up and play type of game, or like it's good from like a like a, I guess like a fairness point of view. But then there's no ongoing challenge in that way. Like the challenge is just you leveling up every battle pass. You know what I mean? So maybe that's, yeah, that's kind what of- is like the is it, maybe that's the thing that you're not wired that way to be hooked on with that as your motivating thing, maybe. Yeah, like, because that's kind of why I mentioned it. It's like, I didn't, like, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to, like, you know, say, like, oh, luck is me, <laughs> whatever. Like, I'm not trying to, like, state anything like that. I was like, mm. I was just kind of surprised it didn't have much effect on me. I think just because of, like, hearing about it for years and never engaging with it beyond thinking it sounded not great. Even though I thought, like, battle passes sound like, I guess in relative to loot boxes, they sounded better and they still yeah. seem to be okay. I just realized like I was like looking through Fortnite's the one before the Dragon Ball one, maybe. I'm not sure how it works. But um but, like one of yeah. the most recent ones. And I was like looking through the skins, like, oh they're, they're, a couple of those are neat. But it's yeah. just like as I was going through, it's like, man, I don't like one, I already realized I didn't want to play Fortnite that much. And two, a lot of these like a lot of this stuff to wear is just not enticing to me. Yeah, I didn't realize it was like, man, that's like none of this stuff is like I like a few of them, but it just doesn't. One, none of them are worth twenty dollars or whatever, like yeah. individually, and two, I just, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, it, yeah. it's just a very new experience for me that I want to try and get to grips with. Like, which isn't like it isn't very like novel. I'm yeah. just kind of thinking of like, oh, why doesn't this entire market work on me right now? At least yeah. from what I've got so far. I feel like, but... um, yeah, I don't know. Either you're really into it or you're... I don't think there's an in-between with Fortnite. I think you're either really into it and you're spending the money or you're just kind of observing it from a distance. I mean, like, yeah. I think the appeal of a game like Fortnite... Like, I, I, I saw a tweet today of, like, essentially... <laughs> it was a player in a Master Chief costume, like, outfit, doing a Kamehameha against another player in a Darth Vader costume. Like, you know what I mean? It's just that... It's the absurdity of, and mind you, both of them are in like a, this cartoonish universe. So it's like, I think the the appeal, I think the appeal there is like, a you have to like third person shooters, b you have to like kind of be into playing multiplayer, um, 
and and see you you have to be willing to kind of like have a little bit of liberty and be like okay i know that these designs or whatever they're not 100 percent like what i think of when i think of these properties but i appreciate the fact that this thing is happening and if you if you don't have all three i feel like even two out of three may not be enough like yeah maybe I, I maybe as well yeah no, I, I totally get what you mean, but it's like I'll, I will. I actually forgot another point I wanted to make is that I me, I immediately understood how Fallout, uh, not Fallout, Fortnite has yeah. evolved this like kind of like hangout spot. It is. For a lot it of is. That really yeah. like like the opening cutscene that's currently on the game like is very good at establishing. It's like oh, I, like Everyone's like just it's, hanging it's out like, and then this stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. That's that is exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's like it's. Like, but as you play it, it's like, oh, I see now. Where it's just like, it's very, it's. I can see people really decompressing with it well, 100%. and I can see how people, because it's like, um, I saw people comparing Fortnite to, um, like VR chat today because yeah. of how awful the metaverse is. Facebook's yeah. one because yeah. it just looks gross and oh, stupid, it dumb. and it's like, but like Fortnite is already kind of that. Yeah, like I saw someone as well say it's like once Fortnite does like puts vr in it or something somewhere it's just forget it like, it's, just forget it yeah it's, just like, it's already like it's try. vr chat you know where you just choose the models you want to be yeah and hang out with people and talk and it's just like oh yeah like i can yeah. see like that's you know that's what fortnite is you know you just I mean, choose the models you want to see be in exactly and as far as i'm concerned fortnite is the metaverse you know what i mean yeah probably yeah so it's like right. it's a virtual world that people get lost in and like you're right um i think that's the other thing why you and i like I love multiplayer shooters, but I can tell you that I don't have as I bounce off them so much is because I don't have a regular group of people I play with or a regular time I play. And I think that's a huge appeal of why these these games do so well is that like, you know, after school, you know, when we were younger, you know, uh, it might have been like, Okay, we might go for a bike ride or we might maybe we might play like a Call of Duty or something, or you know, like whatever was the the multiplayer game at the time. But it wasn't that that big. That took like when okay, so people used to hang out in the neighborhood, and then they used to hang out on the phone. Then they hung out on MSN or on computer chat, and then you you had voice chat, and then they hung out in game chat, like in like you know early multi like you know kind of those multiplayer before it became really mature, and then now. This is just a replacement for that. Like, you know, kids don't watch cartoons after school. You know, kids don't watch The Simpsons during dinner. They just play Fortnite. They do homework and they play Fortnite. And there's no in between. <laughs> and they watch Dragon Ball Super through Fortnite. Through Fortnite. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, you could watch the... You could watch the Rocket League esports finals in Fortnite. Right. <laughs> like... Um. That's yeah, that's it's... like, like what? <laughs> it's I breaking did, my brain. I, I'm trying to realize how incredibly outdated this conversation is. Yeah, like especially from my end. Like, yeah. it's like we're, we're, man, we're just like, old. Yeah, it's not just old. It's just like, man, I've like, I'm just kind of time traveled from 2014 or something yeah. to have these new experiences. Yeah. Um, so I think anyway. I think if we if if I think if you had like a regular like if you had like a regular group of people that you played this with and you just you just have like okay I'm just going to spend an hour a couple of hours just having just kind of like chats like hangouts oh and by the way I happen to be playing this game I think that's when um 
like you'll you'll that's when it'll become like it'll it'll click for you yeah maybe i think that's what it is what what made you try fortnite by the way is it just purely because you had to make an epic account i didn't even i think playstation's got a whole thing like they just have it i didn't need to log into my epic account for that one i think because it's like locked to playstation still i forgot that was something oh yeah there was a separation anyway yeah yeah, but I was like, I, I don't know, hearing about Rumbleverse, I was like, oh, that's kind of enough to make me want to try it, especially when everyone's not scarily good at it yet. Yeah. So that or I will say, on the, I think I, I played on the first day, then I played like a couple of days later because the second day had a long queue, <laughs> so I was able to get into the third day, and everyone was already very good at the game. So <laughs> now I'm kind of, yeah. Anyway, my point is that like I thought I was like getting in early would make me less anxious about being bad at it. And um, nah. <laughs> no, and Fortnite is like, oh, like I'm kind of like this seems from what I understand. If you start playing, it'll be mostly bots, and it's kind of and playing it as well. It's like, oh yeah, this is like so uncompetitive as an atmosphere. Yeah. So it's um, which is obvious, obviously the idea as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure otherwise. I think it's just like I was just kind of like I should try to take advantage of this mood I'm in. And play things with multiplayer <laughs> in it. Yeah, so I usually don't. Um, anyway, let's kind of wrap up Fortnite talk. Um, I've played. Um, been playing Cult of Lamb. I played it for like a few hours yesterday. That's all I played of it so far. I've like so yeah. For people who don't know, it's kind of like a um, what do you call it? like isometric game where there's sort of the action side that plays a bit like. I think it reminded me a bit of like um, Bastion or like crossed with kind of binding sort of roguelike mechanics. As in the binding of Isaac. Yeah, binding of Isaac. So then the other side of it is running a cult. Um, There's a bit of actually more of a story behind it than I expected. That's quite good. At least I'm enjoying it. Um, But it's basically, you know, town management, but small and unsettling um, as you run your and sacrifice people and stuff it's yeah. very um i will say it's like before call of the land came out i was like kind of put off by it because i thought the kind of joke of cute animals run a, but running a cult it felt kind of like a one note gag to me yeah I, I didn't think it would have much mileage but it's actually less of a joke in game it's actually much more of a it's a way to make a already unsettling premise more unsettling basically yeah. that's what it does like it's not really about the that kind of the innate humor and the juxtaposition of that premise it's more about making like mm. both making this like cult simulator easier to digest and play like because it's you know everything's kind of simple in a way like it's not just like it's mechanically as well as aesthetically everything's kind of easier to digest at a glance but it also amplifies the unsettling nature of it because a lot of it's like not tongue-in-cheek like it's kind of serious about how it approaches like you're making a deal with the devil and you're going along with him to create this cult of fanatics and everything about it is kind of scary and not like it's um i don't know it's not really like a game that you get money like laughs out of other than the occasional animation that's sort of grotesque to the point of Absurdity. Like a Happy Tree Friends type thing? Yeah, that's what I thought it was originally. But then, like, it, it doesn't really... It's not so... 
it doesn't really embrace the absurdity of it quite as much as I would have thought it would have. Like it actually kind of, it's pretty, um, I don't know, like earnest about the premise yeah. in a way. I'm not sure, I'm, I'm probably not using the right words, but it's, I was surprised. Like, anyway, I guess my point is like, as like kind of a general impressions of the game so far, it feels very good to play, much better than I thought. It's like your, it like, cause it's, um, I think it's a bit, it's kind of has a similar structure to Hades where it's more story heavy versus yeah. more like, so yeah. you're kind of always making progress. Nothing's like too hard that you feel like you've lost. Like a, I haven't died yet. I don't think it's all that easy to die at all so far. Like it's very straightforward. And so you're saying you're the, like, you're the ultimate gamer. That's what I'm hearing right now. Yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but, um, it's, but it's like, it's kind of designed for like a central experience that mm. kind of goes smoothly. And it's obviously about the cult management side of it. Yeah. Combat seems to be a way to support that part of the game more than it is the other way around. Got you. Oh, that's cool, uh, man. Yeah. That's cool. I can't say far. What yeah, are you playing it on? Um, PS5. Got you. Yeah. Because I heard, like, I tried to look up stuff about the Switch port. It's apparently. And it seemed to have a bit of. It's, I think people had trouble with it. I'm not sure if it was universal. Sad. But it's just. just a bit better. It seems like that's just what. Even even like these smaller scale, quote unquote, smaller scale games that you think would work right on the Switch, a lot of them are actually running into performance issues as well. Well, it's like it's. I didn't realize until like a few days before release because like I think in my mind I assumed it was like fully two D, but it's actually mm-hmm. like very high quality sprites in like a three D, yeah, kind of scenario, which is like obviously more demanding. Yeah, and it's um. That's, I think that's part of the reason I prefer on PS5 as well, just so the fidelity is quite high. Because I was I was surprised at how nice it looks. Like I didn't actually realize. Mm, it's very really colorful like that as well. Stuff. Yeah, but it's um. So is it a roguelike, or is it more? It just kind of looks like it, but it's not actually. It's a. I think it technically is. I don't know a ton about. Is it run based? I think so. Okay. Like you make a save file, and but I think I'm not sure what happened. I think once you die, you kind of get sent back a little bit, but you don't. So I guess maybe it's not a roguelike. Mm. I think it just has qualities of a roguelike and just the... Com- I, guess, I guess it's like kind of what Hades is like. You die, but you're still like within the mm. save file you have. You know, you're not restarting. You're just yeah. restarting the combat scenario. Gotcha. I need to play Hades. I've, I've done like two runs in it and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's Hades. But, but everyone's just... Three game of the years or whatever. Yeah, I know, I know. But like everyone kept keeps yelling. Every time I bring that up, everyone keeps yelling like, you have to play more. I'm like, okay. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. Uh, yeah. You also played a bit of the Saints Row the, the Third. Yeah. I won't get into that too much. I was just kind of... Rem- it's on the PlayStation Plus, like, middle tier. Yeah. So it's like... The, extra the remaster tier. was good. Like the, re- like, the remaster, you know, quality aspect of it was good. Not necessarily the game itself. Um, I remember the game is, being like, good. But it's I guess it's one of the better remasters. 11 years ago, so... Yeah, no, but it's like the texture quality and the lighting upgrade for the oh, remaster. That's good. Surprisingly good. Like I was, it like it look has, holds up for a game that obviously didn't look nearly that good back then, mm. even without having to go look it up. <laughs> but it's um, yeah. Have you played Saints Row Three before? Yeah, yeah, I I played it, but I I, re- I think I reviewed it maybe back in the oh, day. Okay. I loved that game. It was I think it was um, I think because like Saints Row One and Saints Row One was super serious. 
Saints Row 2 started to get some like kind of silliness and then Saints Row 3 just went off the deep end it was fucking hilarious there were so many dumb things in it and so many like gags like it's it's um it was a lot of fun and I, I remember really enjoying it and yeah it was like I, I don't know it was just like one of those like there was a lot of like kind of funny moments in it like there's just moments that kind of stand out to you and like um, I, I made a my character. Uh, what did you make a character? What what type of character did you make? Oh, I couldn't be bothered. I just made a lady. Default. Oh, just <laughs> yeah. So I went with a like a tall, bald black British character. So he he sound he talked like Jason Statham, but he looked like um probably looked like Tyrese Gibson from the, the I guess now the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> So it was, it was it was a lot of fun. So he's got like this Cockney accent, and he's just he's just like incredulous at everything that happens in that in front of him, which I think is the great. I think that was the right way to play that game. I think that's the thing with like I think Saints Row Four and um whatever the other ones were, Agents of Mayhem or what is it called? Like Get Out of Get Out of Hell. Yeah, I think I think the reason why people didn't like them is that they went too far. So, okay. Yeah, so I think this one strikes that happy medium. I mean, what do you think of it so far? How much have you played? Um, I played most of it, and then I realized the final chunk of the game was going to take much longer than I realized, so I stopped. The last <laughs> mission is... Uh, no, it's not the last mission. Yeah. Like, I, I got up to like 15 missions left. Yeah. And I, like, it's like, oh, that didn't take me long to get through because a lot of those earlier missions are like doing a side activity. Yeah takes the exact amount of time that it would otherwise so yeah. i assumed a lot of the game would be like that length but once you hit a certain point in the last area of the like last act the missions get longer it's like an hour long or something like yeah, it takes a be... while have you have you done the um the wrestling missions yet no okay cool i, I just did the um the instant like go inside the the matrix instant. yes yeah. and you play as a toilet for a bit yeah, there was a couple of decent and you get the games. digital tank. I will, uh, I, will yeah. say it's, I know it's been a long time since it first released. I'll, yeah. I'm not super into the writing, honestly. Okay. Like I'm sure, it, like I know it's like. Um, if you about twenty eleven, John might have enjoyed it a bit more. I think. Yeah, but it's like a lot of the writing reminds me of Veep, but less clever. <laughs> if, <laughs> it's like it's a lot of like crass gendered insults, but without much of the real. I don't know. A lot of sharpness it to it, like the wit, kind of yeah, something like that. It's like it feels like a lot of the jokes are meant to be cleverer than they actually are, that yeah. kind of thing. And also, a lot of it's just insults at it as the characters. Or it's like, and this is like, man, there's not much writing here. It's just, I think, <laughs> just yeah, because like, I I remember that being the, that was the big thing in 2011 game of the year for Giant Bomb, is that Skyrim won over Saints Row the Third, and that was like a riotous. Like, that was, like, a thing that they just didn't... Like, everyone loved this game, but then somehow Skyrim won because I think Brad Shoemaker made, like, a really good argument for, you know, the scale of the game, blah, 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 blah. And they always gave him shit for it for years. And I think it's... So, for me, like, I think the reason why Saints Row... Like, I was 19 when Saints Row the Third came out because I think it was, a, it was a 2011 game. So, for me, I was, like, probably in the right age demographic. I was probably in the right age for the humor, for it and yeah, also I, yeah sorry i won't judge anyone for liking it now <laughs> or at the time i just thought like i kind of went in expecting the writing to be 
I don't know, less repetitive, I guess. Like, I think it's like comedy, it's like not bad. Maybe I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I'm just a buzzkill. Yeah, because like, um, what is it? You had like, because you, you know, Johnny Gat was kind of like the cool character who kind of gets dies off at the beginning of the game. And then you got like kind of Ken, is it Kenzie or something? I don't know, but there was like the, you know, the, you had the sassy badass chick. And then you had kind of like the big, dumb muscly guy then he had like the 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 other sassy badass chick who's actually a hacker then like you kind of like met you kind of fought a lot of kind of like tropes like you you just encounter a lot of tropes and i think the humor was a lot about you know that dynamic between those types of caricatures and i can understand that getting old there's a few setups that i feel aren't like i don't know i'm not a comedian i'm not like a you know amazing descriptor of like comedy and how it works <laughs> but to me it's like it feels like there's a few parts where they've kind of gotten the start of a gag that is like pretty solid and then they never don't really follow through with it there's like one part where the landing something like uh, not necessarily well there's one okay there's one in particular i'm thinking about so maybe it doesn't apply to much of the game i'm not sure but there's one part where um one of the villains kind of start has has some like doctored video where it's trying to make the saints to be sinners or something. And it's like, you know, making out to be bad guys. And it's all like, it's very goofy, like Photoshop video. Where it's like, and then he's doing an interview where he's making himself out to be like this amazing person and yeah. the saints be villains. And it's like, and then there's like these protesters was like the saints are actually sinners. And I feel like there's like something good there about how like they're as a criminal gang, they've been turned into this sort of, sort of like really soft, like, you know, multimedia yeah, Empire. it's but except that like the whole joke of it should be that there's still this like horrible criminal syndicate, but yeah. they've kind of got this like weird in between where they're still like these rogues with a heart of gold, except they're also I don't know, I feel like they don't embrace the immorality no. of it quite as much as they could. But yeah. maybe that's just like me looking as a twenty twenty two person. Maybe having not played it then. Like maybe like I'm sure it was I know it was better then. Like I don't know. I'm not trying to judge it. I was just saying it's like that's my reaction to it today. As someone like, who probably isn't super into it in the first place, you know. Yeah, like the as in like it sounds like they could have like the punchline could have been better delivered. Like the setup's there, but the the punchline just didn't deliver. Like Yeah. And, and especially like, ten like, years on or eleven years on. Yeah. There's like certain parts where I, uh, I don't remember anymore, but there was like one part where um, Pierce is like the um, like I'm not actually sure how to describe him. It's like um, like the black member of the gang, basically, like the mm. one who's like I think he's like the, a lot of like the behind the scenes guy, basically, like the arms dealer sort. Mm, mm. I guess his his role, um, and he's like playing chess with Oleg, who's like this you know surprisingly smart muscular guy. And it's like I kind of wanted to like more on that part because it was like a, yeah. like it feels that's, like they started funny, the joke yeah. Yeah. and they never actually finished what was going on in that scenario. Like that, like I feel maybe that's a better way to put it. It's like it's like a lot of the character interactions feel not fleshed out enough for me. But maybe that's just my preferences too. I'm not quite yeah. sure. But yeah, because if I remember, like I think early on there are a lot of kind of quieter moments, but then they try to like I think the second half of the game kind of like those quiet moments disappear in favor of bigger and bigger spectacles. Maybe. I will mm. say it's paced well for the mm. kind of game it is because it starts off big and then it kind of quiets down to just doing side like side activities for most missions. And then you're right, like it ramps up after a point. Yeah. But it's like, it, it, like it doesn't, 
it doesn't really get slow so much as the missions get bigger and take longer to finish yeah which is kind of what made me want to drop it because I'm, I'm just not like i'm not enjoying it enough to go like oh, i don't really want to spend five more hours on it uh, but it's like i've got what i wanted out of it so i'm yeah. happy with it yeah no i think you'll enjoy the 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 wrestling part of it like there's there's bits coming up where you basically train as a wrestler i think you'll really enjoy that um (laughs) yeah and then the 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 ending the end is funny uh uh, yeah like the gimmicks they use at the end it's it's funny Mm. okay (laughs) but um maybe yeah no who knows maybe we'll we'll like if you've only got like a few missions left or a handful of missions left or whatever it is um, well that's what i meant i was like i had like 15 left and then last I checked, after like two or three hours of gameplay, I had like ten left. Yeah. So it's like it's just like oh, this is taking a bit longer than I wanted it to. So yeah, I don't think all of them are as long. I think some of them are like kind of setups. But yeah, yeah. Just, it's it's been a while. So I mean, it's been eleven years. So I'm not going to remember everything a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but you know uh, what I will remember is uh, how fun it is to play Apex Legends. Um, that's because uh, over this past week, uh, season fourteen just launched, and essentially, what it is. Oh, sorry, let me um get that video up on the screen. So the new, uh, so season fourteen, which is a uh, subtitled Hunted, has come out, and as part of it, there's a new character called Vantage, who's kind of like a reconnaissance type character. So she's like, I, I, I don't, I haven't unlocked her because I, I'm not paying just yet until I actually play a bit more and then feel like it's worth paying. I'm going to get my return for it. But the, the the thing that it reminds me is that the core gameplay is still a lot of fun. Like the shooting feels nice. Um, a lot has changed. Like there are a lot of balance changes that like I haven't played in a few seasons. So I was just like just trying to get used to everything and like how some guns are shit now. Some guns are like really good now and how it's all changed. How long, yeah. How long is like a few seasons ago? Like in you know real time a year, <laughs> oh, okay. So I think there's like three seasons a year, maybe, right? Or no, four seasons a year. I think, um, I'm pretty sure. So it's yeah, it's been a while since I played. I think like actually even even, mate, probably haven't played since like 2020, maybe. Like it's it's been oh. a while. So, um, yeah, but it's it's still fun. Like it's still a lot of fun and. Like in the first game, I got back. Like we made it to the last round. Like I just got hard carried because I had no idea what I was doing, and and we, and we were there. We, we were the second second um second team. So I was just like, oh okay. So that, that still happens, <laughs> but uh, and like um because I've got Amazon Prime. Like you get like skins and stuff through Prime Gaming. So you kind of just like just like it just you log in and then you see like oh hey you've unlocked this you've unlocked that I'm like oh okay, um but I don't know that. I would, I would, um, I'm really excited. Like, I, I am thinking about getting the battle pass, the premium battle pass, because you do get a lot of unlocks and stuff. But I'm like, oh, maybe I'll wait. I'll just play it a bit more, because I think that's the the thing I need. I, I want to play multiplayer shooters again, but I need to find one that I can settle with. Because right. like, I don't know, Valorant, it's too slow. Uh, Destiny Two can require a lot of work to kind of get up to the right level and unlock the weapons. Um, and the maps haven't changed in like five years, which is really frustrating because like, like the maps in a shooter are like a huge part of it. Um, uh, Apex, like, oh. yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, what about Halo Infinite? Yeah, I kind of jumped off that. I don't know. Um, 
I guess like not having like a regular group of people, but it's like I think there there aren't many maps and like I, I don't know. There's not really much to it. Uh, I don't right. know. I didn't really kind of I kind of fell off with Halo, but it it is fun. Like that does the core gameplay there is fun, and I guess I could get back into it and play it. But it's like oh, I don't know. There's there's not really much to unlock or anything like that. So I'm like okay, uh, I'll try I'll try um I'll try uh Apex again. Um, but yeah, like I call it like Warzone didn't really, um, like I remember that running like shit on my computer, but you know, that could be fixed now with updates and everything. And, and it just seemed too complicated and it took too long to get into the game. It's like, so no, I just want to play. I don't want to do the pre lobby kind of fighting or whatever. I just want to get into the game and then get into another round. Yeah. And it, and it was so like the menus are so complicated. I don't know what what I've unlocked. I don't know what it does. I don't know where to find it. And it's like, Jesus this Christ. Apex? No, this is a Call of Duty Warzone. With Apex, oh, it's a bit okay. more straightforward. Um, yeah. But I've no idea what anything does. Like, I don't know how weapons compare to each other. There's no, like... I wish they had a thing where you could highlight and be like, okay, this is how it compares to the weapon you have right now. So you've got to kind of, like, do a lot of things where you go on YouTube and then look up, okay, what's the... What are the key weapons for this season? Or what are the key characters for the season and stuff? So th- th- that's yeah, that's kind of the the frustrations there. But you know what? Um, I'll 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 keep playing it. Give it give it more turns and and there's a new season of Destiny coming in a couple of weeks. So there's that. Uh, Bungie just announced yeah, a whole bunch of changes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, basically the the arc subclass. So the basically there are three main classes. There's the Titans, which are the tanks, the uh, Hunters, which are kind of like the damage dealers slash like rogues, and then um, and then you've got the Warlocks, which are kind of like the healers slash mages. So essentially, what it is is that um, uh, all there are four subclasses, and three of them have uh, on like a new kind of new updated architecture. They have more moves, more branching paths more abilities and things like that, more customization. And so the ARC um, subclass, which is like the electricity-based one, that's the one that's getting a big overhaul, like a 3.0 overhaul. And so there's going to be like a, quite a few different like abilities and changes there. And one of the things is the, an ability to do like a kind of like a like an evade move for the hunt for the Titans, which we haven't really had. And you know that whole thing a couple of weeks ago where people were harassing the... Um, Bungie for not bringing back an exotic piece of armor called the Tantalus Wards, I think they're called. Like basically, they gave you that kind of like dodge ability, but in the air. So the reason, so what they've done now is that you can actually have that dodge ability as part of your character class, like your your kind of abilities. Um, but now, regardless of what equipment you have, um, it's just kind of a skill you have, right? Mm-hmm. But you can only do it on the ground. So so it's like. Yes, we didn't bring back that thing exactly as it was, but we've kind of brought back the functionality of what it did in a different way. And it's just like, if only people could just wait three fucking weeks, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it looks like it's going to be a big change, which is good. Um, but I think for me, they need more multiplayer maps. They, they need... Uh, I think... The, and, and I think the, the game engine needs... It needs a, there needs to be a new game. Like, there needs to be a new game engine. Like, graphically, it's not really impressive anymore. Like, the skyboxes and stuff are great. It plays great, but it's like... 
you know, there's not even proper anti-aliasing on it. Like the graphics are really like it looks like a PS3, like early PS4 game, and it's just like there's only so much you can do with the with that um, game to make it like kind of fresh, and and it's like okay, yes, you're putting all this like extra content for PVE players, but what about people like me who prefer the PvP? Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a very weird place that it's in now, which. You know, I feel like it's the same. Maybe it's the same criticisms year after year, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll find out next I, I week. Just... Is the full reveal of the next expansion? So we'll find yeah. out then. Sorry, John, you were saying. Oh, I was just saying it's like it wasn't just like I wasn't trying to say it's like you're the only one saying it. Like I feel like I try to. I like <laughs> keeping up with any sort of discourse with Destiny because it's fascinating. Yeah. Because it's just like it's so Byzantine now, like it's so weird and complicated all the time. Yeah. And like so, learning about it is always interesting. It's like learning about Eve or something, but it's um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, but enough. it's always it's always the same kind of story where people are just kind of disappointed at something or other. And it never really seems to get better other than it just kind of gets short bursts of engagement and excitement. Like you're talking about like the arc overhauls, like the subclass overhauls. Like, oh, that's, you know, that's such a fun thing for a game to get, really, especially out of the blue. Mm. But it sounds like such a stopgap between something like that really livens it up and or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I think for for me, like I really I liked playing Overwatch, but Overwatch Two is basically just Overwatch One. So I don't know. I I I want there to be a multiplayer shooter. That's just like, that's just. <clears throat> I don't know. I that's just fun, but isn't a battle royale, because like a lot of the battle royale is just like you running around with nothing happening, just looting and stuff, and then you get into gunfights. Um, yeah. So. I don't know, maybe maybe Overwatch 2 would be like an amazing game that like kind of, you know, brings everyone back in. But at this stage, I don't know what really fills that void. You know? Hey, uh, what about X Defiant? Remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, let's, um, maybe. Because like, you know, I tried getting into Rainbow Six Siege and that really wasn't the thing as well. So I don't know, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I say that, but I have like so many single player games that I haven't finished yet, so I should probably stop complaining. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, before we wrap up, I also wanted to mention because mm. I forgot, um, I watched through the top eight finals of Tekken and Street Fighter Five for Ooh, Evo nice. 2022. Oh, nice! A little while ago, yeah. Street Fighter was so fucking good. It was yeah. like because I don't know anything about that game or either of them really. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, but it's like it's so exciting, especially the Street Fighter ones. Tekken yeah. one's great too, but it's yeah. like Street Fighter is like goes off. It goes off. Oh, it's like yeah. such a good arc through it. Like it's yeah. like it's like a sports drama in the way that like everything is so exactly. Yeah, oh, it's great. I would um I would also encourage you to watch maybe the finals of either Smash Brothers or um uh Guilty Gear Strive. I'll check I heard, yeah, I heard about yeah. Strive's being good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to watch that one. Yeah, Smash Brothers is kind of Smash Brothers, but yeah, Strive, I would check that out. Um, I don't think DNA. I don't think Smash had it. Smash was. Oh there, no, it? I think um, yeah, I think we're in the period where EA, where not EA, sorry, Nintendo hates Evo. 
I feel like Nintendo kind of like has, is very moody when it comes to Evo, but this time it's like, yeah, nah, f you. Yeah, and that's why Multiverses was a huge part of Evo. Mm. So that which yeah, is it's, crazy. Yeah, it's not even out yet. That one as well, because that like because that one's because I was thinking about sorry to talk too long. Go for it. But I was thinking about Multiverses, and I haven't looked into the finals. Like I haven't looked into the Evo tournament of that one. Mm. I'm very curious to it because I was I, I don't think like I'm guessing it's just one versus one, right? Mm. You know, for which one Multiverses? Yeah. Uh, well. Well, it's four players, so I don't know how they would do yeah, it, but Smash is traditionally 1v1, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking. But so I, was thinking I, I bet they how... did that as well. Yeah, that's what I figured, because I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go watch it, because I'm curious. But I was thinking about how cool it would be for a fighting game, like a major fighting game, to be tagged, te- like a duo-based. Mm. Like, as like you know, as a scene, you know? Like, you have to have a partner that you're good with. Yeah. Because, like, no other fighting games like that. Yeah. Like, like you have tag like, teams, but it's just it's just but you're it's still you playing, you just have a different character. Yeah, that actually would be cool. Like a two v two, like they should have like a two v two, like a team based final, especially because there are lots of esports teams. And then it's like, you know, like tennis, you have your singles finals and you have your doubles. Like there should be room for both. Yeah, that's a good idea, yeah, man. Like I like I don't know, like that would make it so compelling. Like it would just be so distinct, you know. Either, it's like everything's just one versus one and the only one hundred percent. Yeah, so I don't know that was an idea I had where it's like, oh, that'd be really cool, <laughs> but it's and it's based on almost nothing other than just wrestling yeah. stuff. Can <laughs> tag like in. Tag team. Um, but it's like you know, in Volsi versus everyone will just be on the screen at the same time, so it's not yeah. quite the same. But uh, in my head, yeah. I'm just picturing like um, like they're they're at the they're at the table, like they're at the the screens like next to each other, and then like you know somehow like, high-fiving constantly. Yeah, and then like one of their <laughs> ma- teammates from the comes out of the crowd and like you know, suplexes like the other player and then that player's partner comes in and, and gets revenge. <laughs> and then somehow the, the commentator's just freaking out. And like... Oh. Yeah, and like then, normal. Like, that's yeah, what they know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're doing that anyway. And like, yeah. you, you saw, like, they get hyped. Yeah, like, it's great as well. Like, they have, like, as someone who's, again, more wrestling talk, but as someone who's, like, extremely critical of wrestling announcers lately because i don't like almost any of them and it's like it's it's so personal preference like none of it's based on real critique well not none of it but most of it yeah. i was thinking it's like i really like the evo commentators generally like they have the right energy i guess because they you know because they play it as well like they yeah. have to know the game so you can well. tell yeah and they yeah. get excited because they get excited by what hardcore fighting game players get excited for you know yeah. so it's like the right thing right energy all but the it's time. infectious it's like um but even as a lay person, you can still get you get into the hype, and you kind of learn yeah. things as you watch. And because there's always usually like like there's usually two commentators, and one is like kind of the straight like one kind of usually they'll try and explain things. Sometimes um, I think the best the best commentators try to explain concepts and why yeah. this is crazy or why something popped off or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I thought yeah. the Street Fighter commentators were very good. The Tekken's. Yeah. Tekken commentators were good, but not as good as the Street Fighter people, <laughs> I mm. felt. Well, Street Fighter always gets the most money, I think, as well. And that prestige. But it's like, yeah. that, that's someone who doesn't know anything about the scene, yeah. aside from just hearing bits and pieces over the years. So it's like, it's um, very much like a newbie. I used to do that at, um when I was, when I used to work at The Good Guys, I used to like, 
try and put on like the Evo finals in the background, like it on like because I used to work in the tech area, so I set up all the everything, so I just have like one computer plugged into all the monitors, and then I have like all the screens playing like the Evo finals <laughs> or something if if I could if there was enough bandwidth, which was um, yeah, which was funny. Yeah, it's like, yeah. so, it's like oh, wouldn't you also like to watch Evo <laughs> finals on your big screen television? Uh, but yeah, um, that that was yeah. It's um, that that was a lot of fun. I think it's a it just gets a bit creepy because like sometimes I feel like with fighting games it falls into the trap of like a lot of Japanese sensibilities where things are just very unnecessarily pervy and you're like god damn it yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah, like this is up. this is not helping the stereotype <laughs> yeah though that makes me think with the smash like because i'm sure everyone's this who knows better than i would has discussed this at a lot of like ends length but i was thinking about this like you mentioned like smash brothers and that not being an evo i wonder if nintendo took it out just because it's been getting like a real reputation for having a lot of creepy people in it like yeah. way more than the other games. Yeah, like the fighting game community is one that, like it had it's had its fair share of toxic people, and it's, um, but I, I feel like it's it's getting better, and you we are seeing, I don't know, did you see f- female players in the top eights? Um, not in either of the ones I watched. No. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? We'll see. Um, maybe that'll change as well. Hopefully, we'll get more and more. I guess like a diversified range of players and. Like one of my favorite stories is just like someone like um, like Arslan from Pakistan, and like mm. um, him like coming out of like you know, like him coming home after winning Evo the Tekken champion like the Tekken, like kind of final at Evo coming home and getting like a hero's welcome from his family and stuff like that's like really, mm. that's like really heartwarming when you see see like hear stories like that. So I really hope um yeah. I really hope that that um that love continues. I think yeah, my other cat. Yeah, it's like has... it's. Oh, I think my other cat has penetrated the this room. <laughs> okay, there he is. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's um, yeah, no, that's that's fun, man. I, I guess I'm gonna have to watch the. Uh, I think I'm gonna have those Evo highlights on. Uh, in the background, the Street Fighter one. This week. Watch that one. It's really like uh, as someone who, <laughs> I guess I'm saying it as someone who's never watched any. Of it, I think I've watched like one grand final of Evo from ages ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, like no experience with it. But Street Fighters was like so compelling for something that took three and a half hours to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Alrighty, man. That's all right. That's that's on the that's on the watch later list now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, Let's uh let's close out the show, John. Yep. Now, as always, Double Jump Radio is made possible thanks to the support of our wonderful members. You too can support Double Jump and Double Jump Radio by heading to doublejump.co slash memberships and signing up today. Uh, you can also head to our Patreon and uh, become a member that way as well. We'll um we'll have some uh, a new membership option coming up soon, which we'll hopefully do, which will hopefully launch uh, alongside the new Discord server in the coming weeks. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> but yeah, so um, it's it's going to be got some fun fun things coming up ahead and. Hopefully we'll have some more articles on the site in the coming week. But uh John, 
thank you so much man it's always a uh, it's always it's always super fun to have you on these projects with me man i love i love uh i love when you give me updates on what you've been watching and um i think we're overdue for a wrestling update soon oh maybe i haven't been watching much wrestling outside of AEW lately so we'll is there see. much happening there is i'm just okay. like i think i'm a bit burnt out but <laughs> maybe. Um, now you're just okay, going to be yeah. watching fighting game tournaments maybe it's really good <laughs> they, they have storylines <laughs> yeah it's like it's, i know it's not the same but it is extremely hype so mm. maybe <laughs> but yeah no uh, another good effort awesome. review thank hey. you um, always good to talk no likewise man and, and thank you to everyone at home for watching us really hope you enjoyed uh joining us for a couple of hours of of uh chit chat especially about uh the embracer group taking over the world continuing its pledge for world domination so um uh john till next week it's been a pleasure and i hope you have a great week everyone at home look out for one another peace hey <laughs> oh man his way in through the door <laughs> just to get <laughs> uh, take care man thanks brother see everyone bye